0: welcome to Combat Thoughts. I'm Robbie. I'm Lee. And I'm Alex. We're going to take a deeper look at the cultural philosophy behind martial arts. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Combat Thoughts. This week we are talking to Gareth Blair from... Exile Gym in Southampton. Uh, We are talking about Gareth's early history in sport, the influence of Bruce Lee on his uh, outlook on martial arts and on the country's outlook on martial arts as a whole. We're talking about the early days of training Muay Thai, his personal experiences there, and the way that his gym, Exile, has really grown quite organically from just a a group of like-minded individuals coming together, and the way that it's transitioned into the absolute powerhouse of Muay Thai gym that it's become. So hope you enjoy. thanks for coming on mate so um what we normally do we just talk about people's like uh martial arts history how they got into martial arts in general in the first place and we'll just riff off different topics uh i'm sure we'll touch on I don't know. There's a few bits. Why Muay Thai is cool. Probably touch on CTE and shit like that. But really, we'll just riff through like your history in the sport, and then find a topic that's interesting and go off that if that suits you.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Everything's cool.
0: Everything's cool. Fuck. Fuck it. All right, Gareth. First introduction to martial arts. Where did it all begin?
1: Uh, I suppose my my very first was uh, Enter the Dragon. Uh, I was five when I first watched that, which uh, a, a lot of people probably frown upon because that's not the kind of thing you should, should do with your kids. But <laughs> my, my dad was cool. He let me watch stuff like that. Yeah, there you go, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was it. I fell in love with it from, from then on, watched everything. Uh, literally, there's probably not a, a martial arts film I have not seen. And I've been that way my whole life. Uh I had a dabble at karate when I was a kid, but uh, we moved house quite a bit, so I kind of didn't get to keep it up that much. But um, that was my initial in- introduction, and then uh, I always had a bag, and I'd, whatever I'd see on a movie, I'd go out and try and practice on the bag. It didn't always go well, but, uh, yeah, I tried. <laughs> I, I did try it, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of like... Where did you I- have
2: the nunchucks?
1: Yeah, I had nun nunchucks. My brother bought me. Thank God they were foam so I'd have probably fractured awesome. my skull about eight times. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of my initial. Um, uh, that's funny. I, I that's like a
0: proper. Um, I don't know. Like that, That's like a real sort of a stereotypical like archetype thing. The fucking Bruce Lee influence um, oh, yeah. getting into it that way. It always amazes me how sort of uh, culturally pervasive he's been.
1: Oh, I mean, without him, realistically, I don't think we'd be as far along as we are, especially MMA, all of that kind of thing. I mean, the, the one of the opening scenes from *Man of the Dragon, I think was your first sample of what MMA could be, where him and uh, yeah. Sam Hung, when they're dressed in the pants and they're kind of rolling around and the arm bars him and taps him out. I mean, I think that was probably one of the first introductions you ever got to it without realising it was an introduction you got to it, obviously until the Ultimate Fighting Championship started and then uh, people started to get interested just because of how uh, crazy it was.
2: I think it was yeah. also like Enter the Dragon was also like one of the first proper martial arts movies, right? It's It was one of the first times, I mean... Um, one that was that, that became so successful. And it I, I know that for example, my dad, um who was born in the year when it was made. Yeah. He watched it when he was a kid in the in in the cinema. Is he still showed it in the cinema?
1: Yeah. It
2: came a bit late because he's communist Poland. <laughs> but um he he couldn't believe what he was seeing. You know, it was kind of yeah, it was it was something that people haven't seen before. So I can see that? So how how old were you when you saw the film?
1: Uh, i say it was a video. I was five. Five years old. Wow. Yeah, so like I said before, be frowned upon these days, showing a child something like that. But, (laughs) you know, my dad was cool. My dad was cool. He let me watch that and then it kind of went on from there. Uh, Fist of Fury, Game of Death. And then, you know, some of the crazy B-movie classics and just, yeah, I just never stopped. Just loved every second of every film.
2: So was was he a fan? Was he a fan of martial arts movies as well? Is that kind of how it translated to you?
1: I, I, I think Dad probably liked the violence. <laughs> that, that, that might have been some of the appeal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he quite liked me to sit there and watch him with me. Yeah.
0: Uh, what was I saying? Um, I think we were about to get on to like your first actual martial arts experience maybe you said about the nunchucks you said about the bag yeah uh, and then you moving around a lot
1: yeah so we we, uh, there was a karate class in i lived in Bitten at the time um i was about six i suppose and obviously through being in love with it uh that far back there wasn't really the diversity in clubs and things that you've got nowadays so it was kind of karate and to a lesser extent judo which wasn't as popular sadly, which is still a fantastic martial art. But uh, yeah, went to karate for a little while. I got a couple of belts. Uh, got embarrassed once. Uh, my trousers come undone when I was trying a high kick and pants fell down. And uh, <laughs> so everybody laughed at me. So I was a little bit uh, uh, subconscious about that. I can remember uh, having to spar with the sensei. And uh, again, it's not like... Things are now. He was a lovely guy, but um I didn't really know him. I'm young I'm only, and so I'm kinda of lunging at him and trying to have a go at him. He just kept turning me, sweeping me, and it was a wooden floor, and I sort of lost my temper and went for him even though I was only six. <laughs> but yeah, so there was no control back then. There was no control. But um it was great. It was great. I loved every second of it. Loved every second of it. So where
0: did it take you from there? So you you got started real young on the actual martial arts.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, from there, there was uh, uh, me and a couple of friends. Uh, they were going to, I believe it was Pac-May in uh, St. Mary's because you had a few things down there. So they'd come into school and start showing me what they were learning in there. And some of it still stuck with me. If I can remember the first carter and things like that, even though I never went, um, sort of started getting into that side sort of things. Uh, Taekwondo for a little while I tried out Um, I enjoyed that I did enjoy that Um, But I I suppose I didn't really I I, I mean I was I was 18 when I had my first kid so everything kind of got put on the back burner so you know yeah it it was quite difficult I I had a lot of jobs and I was doing a lot of things so I didn't have a lot of recreation time, shall we say, which is cool. It, it, it's not a problem. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do. But um, I suppose I didn't, I didn't fall deeply in until I came across Tire Boxing. That was in my 20s, finally, when I found that. And I only went along because mm. a friend of mine wanted to go and he, he was too nervous to go on his own. So I said I'd just go with him. And then he, he never came back and I never left. No, that was yeah that was pretty much it <laughs> that's funny how things work out i
0: had um i don't know i just assumed you'd been muay thai muay thai for life or at least you know since you since your teens or something It was a lot later than i expected
1: yeah no 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 well I'll say uh again at that time i mean when i came across it when when i found the gym again it was through a friend and there was nothing else Uh, there was no Thai boxing in Southampton. There was no anything like that. He was the first guy. He started in London, Sanger. And he opened uh, Nemesis Gym. I don't know if you remember that, Rob. We used to do inner clubs with him and stuff. It's like our sister gym. And they're in uh, Erith.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know. I think I know him.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're lovely guys, lovely guys. So he started in London when he first landed. uh, And uh, his girlfriend was from Southampton. And then he kind of migrated down there. and Nemesis carried on. The other guys uh, took it over, carried it on. Then he came down here and started teaching here. And that's kind of where I <clears throat> came across uh, Sangha. And Dean started three weeks before me. So we would already been there three weeks. And Dan as well. Dan was there. There's a lot of old faces. That so this there. is what year? Oh, crikey. I think now I'll have to go. Was it go backwards? T- old on now? Old was I? Twenty-three years ago, maybe twenty-three years ago, something like that. I like
0: okay. I like this. This is a whole like because Dan's been very influential on definitely definitely mine probably on alex's training as well especially through university this feels like i'm picking a whole like origin story for (laughs) for us
1: oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. i mean you you had uh there was dan there was ed a lot of these guys you won't have met the ed great lad he'd had a couple of fights for sangha there was vin and van two vietnamese lads that uh they were great to train with because they were, it was 150,000 miles an hour and full power or nothing. <laughs> they, they were just great guys, great, great lads. There were was, was some real characters, real characters, definitely.
0: And what was the training like back then?
1: <clears throat> hard. <laughs> it was hard. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I literally couldn't describe it in any other way. It was, he was. Uh, Junior Olympic champion, Sanga, And he'd been training, as far as we're aware, since he was about seven. And when we met him, he was, I think he was early 30s when we met him. And I think he'd had, I mean, Dan will probably be able to confirm this. I think he, he, he'd had in the region of about 300 fights. And, uh, wow, yeah, he was a tiny little guy, like short, Legs like tree trunks, absolute tree trunks. And uh, he he didn't speak a lot of English. His 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 wife always translated for him. She was lovely. He was lovely. They're both lovely. But uh, yeah, the training. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. I'll I'll say that in the least. It wasn't pleasant. But that's
2: interesting, isn't it? Because he he was um he was Thai, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, isn't. I mean we we associate Thai training at least nowadays maybe this this is what has changed over years we associate it with being fairly playful um of course it's hard it's taxing on the body but like in terms of I don't know if we, what you're talking about is more general training or if you're talking about the sparring um because like I would associate Thai sparring with be more playful and less damaging to the head
1: <laughs> no no, no, no. No, I suppose the best way to describe him was old school. He was old school. So uh, everybody sparred, but uh, me and Dean, he, he wanted us to both to fight. I mean, I, I had my first fight six months after I joined. And I, 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 I was about 15, 15 and a half stone when I joined, really overweight, really unfit. And I fought at 85 kilos, which is 13 and a half stone, and I was ripped, absolutely ripped. I was living on like leaves to get down to the weight, because he uh, he didn't muck around. There, there's there's some quite yeah I've got a few stories. One in particular, uh, Dean ones <laughs> leading up to uh, Dean yeah Dean had already had one fight and it was a few weeks later, and well, I was going to have my first, he was going to have his second on the same show. It was the Equinox Club in Leicester Square. And uh, <clears throat> it was for Sean Toomey. For Sean. And uh, he, he told us, yeah, uh, um, no sex. No sex before fight. At all. Leading up, no sex. I was kind of like, okay, if, if that's what it takes. And fair enough. Uh, Dean didn't listen. And this particular day, Dean had come in, we were doing pads. I was feeling quite good. Dean was a little bit off. Uh, not massively, but just not quite his usual self. It's the only time I've seen Dean with his tail between his legs. So He's holding pads for him and he stopped, dropped the pads. And he went, you have boom, boom? And we're all looking at each other like that. And, and Dean's like looking at us and we're like, don't... And he, he went yeah, yeah, and he just went get out, get out now (laughs) he like, head between walks off out, and it was like Jesus, fair enough, I'm glad I didn't, (laughs) he was not happy was not happy in the weird way, he knew he he just knew and it was like, you didn't want to upset him like that, because when it comes to, he'd spar with you so we'd spar with each other, he'd spar with you But things like um, uh, clinch work, Ty clinch. Oh, I hated having to do Ty clinch with him. I hated it because he wouldn't go away. I I can remember picking him up by the elbows because I couldn't get him off my neck. Picked him up by by his elbows and I threw him (laughs) over the other side of the ring. Like, took everything I had to do it. (laughs) He landed and just went... Walk forward and grabbed me again just swept me and put me up in the air and it's just like oh god no It just it was so strong it, like, obviously we were still learning the clinch but so strong such a solid base it was just like a, trying to pull a tree around and I probably outweighed him by about four stone just couldn't move him couldn't move him um, unbelievable balance that they had
2: so how did your fight go your first fight after six months six months, months. In, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. It wasn't too bad. Uh, well, it, 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 it was okay. Uh, sort of coming, started. Obviously, we've been we've been hard, hard, spying. Spying was hard between me and Dean. It was just 15, 16 rounds, and we were trying to kill each other. And it, and it didn't stop. Uh, Dean will attest to that. Dan will attest to that. It, it was literally, you were trying to kill each other for every, every second of every round. And uh, it started, and I hadn't... None of us had done any sparring without shin pads. So you're kind of trying to condition your shins with the sticks and all that kind of things, trying to get into it. And uh, we come in, we had our first little move. He threw a big kick, and I checked it. And I had never known pain like that in my life. It felt like someone had (laughs) set fire to my legs. And I completely lost – everything went out the window. I just went nuts and went running at him, throwing, trying to like – and then we just kind of had it for three rounds, uh, both exhausted by the time we get. we literally spent a little – as much time as we could. He was as tired as I was, bless him. He was a lovely guy. I talked to him afterwards. We back off for each other and we just both stood like that, almost like, please can the round be over, please can the round be over. I just. And then we had a little exchange – And I I can't even remember doing it. I've got it on video upstairs somewhere, I think. And I I threw a hook, like an offhand hook, and clipped his chin. I think it was more because he was tired than anything else. And he just dropped. And then when he went to get up, his legs just went. And then the ref waved it off, thank God. Yeah, the ref waved it off. But, um pretty it,
2: eventful yeah like he, he
1: was a he was a lovely guy, absolute gentleman his uh, corner were quite mean to him afterwards it was a shame, I felt quite sorry and
2: for, him. Oh. for sure, something to note is that your first fight was immediately like. Basically, a, a, a standard tie fight with no shin pads, no headgear, none of that. No, no, no. It was just straight in, went in and had a basically what well, I guess what you would call a class A, right? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, we, uh, no elbows. We're allowed to elbow.
2: Okay, okay, so no B. elbows.
1: Um, class B, yeah. But, but I think it was because it was our first fight, it was his first fight and my first fight. I don't think you're allowed to dive straight in to Clark, but you might have been able to back then, to be fair. But now you're not allowed to. You've got to kind of. Go through the stages. I don't think you could dive straight yeah. into class uh, A class. But uh,
0: yeah, how how did you feel about the fight afterwards? Were you
1: pleased with how you did, or like I, I'm I'm never pleased with how I do. Okay. Never. Ever, ever. I'm 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 my own biggest critic, and I always will be. Always will be. I I, I could it could it wasn't, but it could have been flawless, and I'd have found a problem with it. I just, yeah, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy.
0: And so did you want to get back in there to kind of like fix it, to do better next time or were you hesitant to? to?
1: Well, wanted to, uh, obviously wanted to carry on fighting. So we went back to gym, carried on. Uh, Dean fought same night uh, at the same club. He fought just after me. He had a fight there and a load of guys from uh, Nemesis, they were all fighting there as well. So i say our sister, Jim. We knew them all, they a great bunch of lads. Um, but the next fight, by the time it came round, uh, was, it was almost a year. Because uh, I think we, we were... Uh, no, 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 that's what happened. Uh, Senga uh, packed up and went to Thailand. He moved to Thailand with his wife and decided to knock it all on the head. And uh, Dean uh, bought the pads and took the rental of the area over, which at the time was... It was. It's now Spartans gym down uh, by St Mary's Stadium. Mm. And it was called Millbank, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and we were up above there. We used to share it with um, Wayne Batten, uh, boxing coach. Great boxing coach. He's got got some great pro fighters. So we'd share the gym with them, and and then basically we took over the gym with, I suppose. We, we had been trained, but it was kind of minimal training, so we were still learning as well. And uh, Dean took over the whole thing. I was kind of second. So when the beginners and everybody came in, I'd train them. And then when I got them to a stage that they looked that they might be able to fight, Robbie's seen this, Dean would go, you're with me now. You're with me now. And then I'd never see them again because then they were in the ring and <laughs> then they'd just get brutalized until they were tough enough to fight. That was just how how we were trained. That was how we were trained. It it was, you know, you know how to kick, you know how to punch, you know how to check, you can grapple. But the primary thing was you have to be able to take a beating.
0: You went very quickly. I love that that's the criteria, but you you went very quickly from not having done Muay Thai to running a Muay Thai gym. Why was it that, because you'd done a few martial arts before, so obviously you have yeah. got a bit of experience in it. Firstly, first thing I'm wondering is what was it about Muay Thai that really like got you? Like, why Muay Thai? Like, why didn't you start like a anything else, gym? Like, you were clearly into it from the go.
1: Oh well, for me, the fact that Dean was willing to do it uh, initially, and we didn't want the gym to close. We loved the gym. It was like it was everything to us. We were there almost every day. The guys that we knew were there every day and we didn't want to lose it. So, I mean, fair play to Dean. It, was, it Primarily, it was Dean. I, I didn't have any money. He bought, he bought the pads and stuff off, took it over and he just started to, you know, he, he's, uh, he's quite astute. He's not silly. He, he, he knew that he could make it work with the amount of people that were coming in. And uh, say so, we did. Um, but Thai boxing, I've always loved Thai boxing. I think it's the in the nicest possible way, it's the violence. There there are not many stand-up sports that you can do the stuff that you can do in Thai boxing, the way you're trained. Uh, I, I loved everything about it. I loved it. It was a bit difficult. I loved it. It was hard. I loved it. It pushed me. It made me better in myself. I think I was looking for it, and I found it. And Yeah, it changed my life. Definitely
0: changed my life because I guess that set you on a course. Because it feels like was was look uh established at this point? Was it a term you were using, or yeah, did that yeah, come yeah. around later?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That was it was already look Borai through um, Sanga because the uh, he was from the province of Borai, and it's uh, okay. Yeah, so I can't remember what uh, it's actually Lok, not look. It got, it got misspelt a few times.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been mispronouncing that for years. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, 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 but most people have. Most people have, but it's luck, It was it, it always was L-O-K, B-O-R-R-A-I. But, um, yeah, Borai the province. Um, any of the guys that have gone out there to train, I know loads of people have gone out there to train. And uh, I've got it on my leg, uh, Little Borai tattooed on my leg, and some of them have got it on their arms and stuff like that. And they say Ties will always stop them and say, Little love Borei, and stuff Pretending their tie boxes and stuff like that, just random people in the street. So they're obviously aware of the province. <laughs> at the very least, I think it was only yeah. a small, small town. It was only a little place. But um, yeah, say so it was I mean Sanger fought over here. He fought um I can't remember where it was now. He had one or two tie fights over here with uh, English fighters before he sort of huh. decided to call it a day <clears throat> and move on because he had to have uh, he had to have nose surgery from uh, too many elbows and his nose kind of bent out there and then bent back in. And to have the surgery, he was – well, I know you could just go and do it, but he was told he would never be able to fight again or they wouldn't perform the surgery because they knew if they'll perform it, fix his nose, then he'd go and fight again and get it broken again. So it was kind of like he he made the (laughs) the decision to not do it. But to, to be fair, I can remember asking him a couple of times. I think we all asked him a few times. Said you know look, like, what why why don't you still fight you know as things are is one of the few ties in the country that are running the gym <clears throat> you know you want the floor I would think with all of the English fighters and the way he described it he he just was saying like my body hurts it just hurts and I don't want to do it anymore it was kind of like okay yeah fair enough fair enough that's that's quite sad
0: but also. I have to be honest. From every story you've told me about how he trains people and how he <laughs> trains himself,
1: I'm not surprised. No, no, no. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was, uh, it was quite brutal. But in the same breath, I mean, you, you've already had down on the podcast.
0: Yep, yeah. He was one of our first guests, actually.
1: When we, when, when Sanger left, they kind of that Dean took over and we were all doing our things. Me and Dan used to meet up on a Saturday and or Sunday morning and he'd hold pads for me because oh, I was trying to train for another fight and I, I didn't get a lot of time to train because I was teaching more than I was. So he'd meet up and uh, obviously he, as a trainer, he's, he's phenomenal. He's just, he's an absolute gentleman and he's a wonderful guy and... But initially, if you ever ask him, some of the things he used to make me do were like, let's have a go at this. And it literally was like, you look back at it, and you're like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea to have done that. Oh, I would mean, to run around the block with a 20 kilo uh, weight plate, run round doing that, around like probably half a mile block, and see your arms start to get tired. So you start cracking it on your head as you're going around because you couldn't keep it up I ended up wearing like a, a Benny hat to try and take the weight off when it was hitting my head and then we dropped that and then he'd jump on my back and I had to run around the block with him on my back <laughs> just, just, just some really absurd things but we were we were experimenting we were trying we we, we didn't know you know we were
2: yeah you, you didn't have Google you didn't have YouTube
1: no I, I mean back then like I say there weren't I mean the only the close you, you couldn't Find tie boxing fights anywhere unless you've got DVDs. And the, the closest thing you had to watching anything like that back then was Eurosport, and it was the K1 scene, heavyweight K1 scene. Mark mm. Hunt and Ernesto Hoost and uh, Remy Wonyasky, all those guys. And it was only on about once a week if you could get the chance to see it. But, you know, you lived for that, just to get the opportunity to see what those guys could do. And, again, it, it, it was still – reasonably basic i mean a lot of the the moves like the um the dutch combo who's dutch combo left right left to the body right low kick you know it, it's still your bread and butter now it's still it's still used well but yeah that i mean honestly there wasn't much i can remember me and dan watching one of the first ufc's getting their, it was videos back then getting the video and sat watching the video and like you know you had the guy with one boxing glove and no boxing glove and, uh, oh yeah. yeah! I mean, it was insane watching it. Watching it again now, you think about what you're watching. Then it was just kind of like, but again, it was just like it's violence. It's violence. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> what we want. Yeah, that's, but the, that's, what that's interesting. That's interesting because I, I mean, I was going to ask that question. I was going to ask, you know, in that age, and from what I understood, so Dean and you kind of started around a similar time. Yeah um and and dan as well so you didn't once um once your coach went you didn't really have someone of like a senior stature in your gym no. with knowledge no. so mm. how did you expand your knowledge how did you where did you try and draw information from or was it more like you said just like experimenting
1: there was there was a lot of experimenting. there was uh uh Trying to watch uh, any videos, uh, or fight videos, uh, breaking people down, watching combos, the way they did things, and then trying to perform them and making them part of your pad work routines and things like that. It it literally really was, suck it and see if you like. It, it yeah we, mm. you know we all had things like um I think Dan describes it best. He used to say between the three of us as trainers. It, it, his, his term was he said if you, if, if we were serial killers if from the movies, not just normal ones from the movies, Dan goes I'd be like he'd be like Michael Myers gentle, quiet just going through, doing that uh, I think I was Jason Voorhees and Dean would be Rambo like, like full bore <laughs> machine guns, taking everybody out like no like softly, softly it's you're getting it done and we're going, I don't care if it hurts, get up, get on and get it done. He's always kind of kept, he has evolved massively. I'm not saying he hasn't, but it's always been that whole, you've got to be tough enough.
0: kind of yeah i mean i'm sure he's i'm sure he's developed but i oh i am seeing the uh the influence and the uh the early days of dean bleeding through but also of dan like you just mentioning um him jumping on your back i mean that's yeah. still the sort of conditioning he'll get us doing in the classes he'll still oh, yeah. he's still got us doing that kind of shit
1: yeah oh god no yeah 100 but like i say at the time we didn't really have a clue it was just kind of like let's try this let's have a go at this and uh, 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 at the end of the pad sessions, we then try doing UFC, like having like UFC sparring. We didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. Didn't know how to wrestle. Didn't know anything about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. We didn't know anything, but we'd sort of start sparring and then just try and like bundle each other to the floor and be rolling around, not having a clue. But it, again, we were trying. We were trying. Yeah, we were trying. I kind
0: of.
2: I think that's um, it, it, it's somewhat of a of a downside of of today's uh, state of affairs, where information is so readily available, and yeah. there are tutorials, and the way the right wings right ways to do things are all available everywhere. Everyone can see how to do things. Yeah, yeah. What ends up happening is you you do end up just copying other people and there's no real your own like you don't bring anything necessarily new to the sport because you're not innovating yourself yeah um i mean not saying that it happens completely everywhere and that's the case now forever but i think there is a very cool element to what you're saying that you guys didn't have any really like you were watching things and you were trying to sort of copy those things but you were also just Trying things out for yourself, yeah. with romance
0: is- that's kind of been lost <laughs> with, uh, yeah, all the information, and so it's, everyone knows the right thing to do now, kind of, but yeah, not like it
1: was. Well, like I say, a lot of this, I mean, even, even some of the stuff I still do now. I mean, it, obviously, my my class, I, I do privates, but my class is it's tire boxing. It is is was always, always geared more towards fitness, um, not to take away from tire boxing, but. In the other sense, for me, it was kind of like, well, you could have the best punch in the world, you could have the best kick in the world, but if you can't do it for nine straight minutes, well, nine minutes, three rounds, you're screwed. You've got to be fit enough to be able to do that, time. So you're doing this class, it's, there's going to be a hell of a lot of fitness involved in this class. You know, and it, it's no different for the fighters or anybody else. It wasn't picking, it was always, you've got to have the cardio to be able to do this and then everything comes off the back of that you know if you haven't got the fitness to get through a round how are you ever going to have a fight and, and again don't get me wrong not everybody wants to have a fight and, and i expect us to but a lot of the people that come to my class will never have a fight but they just enjoy i suppose listening to me screaming shout <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah so okay so now so we've you've had your first fight um you then had, I guess, a second one, but you're basically opening the gym and so on. Um, yeah. So how how does that then progress? Are you still fighting um, after that? Um, what's the sort of progression from that point onwards?
1: Well, we, I, I had my second fight. Dean had kind of completely stopped and, and just turned to training, uh, well, teaching, and um, we started getting – Uh, quite a few good young prospects coming in Um, I still wanted to carry on and have another one which I did uh, which didn't go particularly well uh, the second one yeah it it wasn't great Um, because we uh, obviously we'd lost Sanger so I was probably Dean's first ever corner Um, Mm. and you know we were sort of again bundling our way through we knew roughly what we needed to do but you know, I think most people, even if they had coaches, were in the same boat. Because, again, tie boxing wasn't what you see now. Uh, it was quite basic, quite still route one. And uh, I kind of got out of there, was ready to rock and roll. And uh, we said, like, what, what we'd do. we do. What I used to do, second the bell went, I'll just go steaming out. That was it. And it was hell for leather. And we said, right, what we do, we'll sit back for the first round. And we'll have a look and we feel him out, not that we knew how to feel anybody out. But again, you know, you just, we'll see what happens and and take it as it goes. He came out like a bullet at a china shop, which I wish I would have, because I think I'd have beaten him. But I backed off, and literally the first punch he threw, I was wobbled straight away. Uh, I didn't know what was up, what was down, left, right. And that continued for three whole rounds. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I literally didn't know what i I, did, I i barely knew where i was i barely knew where i was i i, I was i was concussed from maybe two days after um i had i don't nobody ever took any photos um on my kid's life i had through the gloves i had knuckle prints in the side of my head there and there where his knuckles had come through the gloves you could see his fist marks both sides of my head. My lip was split open. My leg was black from hip to ankle, completely black.
2: Oh, geez. Um
1: It wasn't that it was particularly great. It was just, that I was gone. I was gone. But the only thing I took from that was, I stayed on my feet the whole fight. He never dropped me. I took a hell of a beating, which I know is not great. But um, the ref stopped it in the end, uh, right near the end of the third round. Because... Uh, We kind of gone into a clash and both fell over like a a grapple. We fell over our own legs. I got up, and I was still like trying to see where I was going. And the ref said, "Are you all right?" And I can remember all I can remember is going, "What?" Looking at him, and then he waved it off, and it was kind of like, "Okay." So kind of like I, I, I think I've had enough anyway. If I'm fair, I spent the rest of the night. Uh, giggling, I couldn't stop. Uh, I don't know what had happened in my head. I just kept giggling and laughing, and I couldn't control it. The closest I was to being like completely stoned out your face and and waiting out. Mm. I I I didn't know what was going on. I literally didn't know what was going on. And looking back now, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't great. It wasn't great, but. You know, it, it it kind of is what it is. It wasn't the end of the world. But uh sadly that was that was pretty much it because then everything got pushed so much towards the gym, it's kinda of like there is no time to train. There isn't time to to do this. We had these new guys come in, uh, Rich Harding, they're just come in, uh was the other was it, James? I can't remember the other lads name it was that long ago I can't even remember the names now but we had a handful of lads come through and uh, they all won southern area titles English titles and it kind of flew it just took off and then the gym was packed and yeah that was about it it was kind of the end for us but in the same breath you kind of like well I was in my 20s mid to late 20s at that point uh Dean's only a couple of years younger than me but it was kind of like you you can't do both. You can't do both. I've seen the MMA shows and stuff, mm. coaches that uh, are coaching the fighters, but they're also still trying to fight too. And it's probably not all the time, but most of them I've ever seen do it, lose. Because I think it, it's too difficult to do both. You, it's probably possible for some people, but I think it's too difficult to try and dedicate so much of your time to you but so much of your time to everybody else as well. So I think it, it, there comes a point you've got to make a decision. And and I, I, I miss fighting. Uh, I, I, I had more fights after that in some other stuff, but um, I enjoy training people. I do enjoy it. I like watching somebody come in that can't do things. And then, you know, months later, they can do a lot. And a lot of things they didn't think they could do. It's just, it's nice to watch people evolve and, yeah it's, it's good I love it I absolutely love it always
2: will did you find um, did you find that you enjoyed um, training people to be fighters or in general you know getting the sort of uh, everyday Joe let's call them and getting them to start Thai boxing and getting good at Thai boxing do you think there's much of a difference there um, um,
1: it it was I think I, I always preferred uh, newbies, people that had just come in that weren't that enamoured with the idea of fighting. They just enjoyed training. Yeah. I think I preferred them. Not that I, I didn't like the fighters. Not, it's not like, like I said, it, we kind of did it. I'd start them off, Dean would take them, and then that was it. I wouldn't see them. And it, well, obviously I'd see them, but they're gone. They're gone. They're with Dean now. So, not you, yours anymore. Yeah, I, I, I concentrate on them. I bring them through. Dean takes him the rest of the way. Dean's a fantastic coach. He's got, without blowing his trumpet, he's got to be easily the best tire coach in the country. And and that's not just because of Mo or any of the other guys. When you when you talk to Dean and listen to him break down the fighter, I've never heard anybody be able to do what he can do. Genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. Uh, Mo fighting Manachai. Were, were you there for that, Rob? Yep.
0: Who, I am really sad that thought, I wasn't.
1: I mean, who, who genuinely thought, as good as Mo is, at that stage of his career, that he could beat that guy? Hmm. Uh, we all loved yep. him to bits, but we were scared scared stiff for Mo.
0: Well, I mean, in fairness, Manichai is a big fucking deal. and. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I did hear some shit talked about how Mo was going to get absolutely smoked. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really sad that I didn't go, but just I just seeing everyone's reaction, seeing the result of that was fucking fantastic um, to to watch. That it, but it, I, it was, I just
1: yeah, it, it was up there with some of the best nights ever. It was just incredible. Like I say I can remember it was me, Dan, Dean, and I think Joe, and we were kind of all in this corner. I remember Mo come in, done his bit, uh, and manager, came in, and I can remember turning to, to Dan and going, look at the size of his fucking legs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, my God. I mean, it, it wasn't <laughs> that I wasn't confident in Mo. It was just like Mo had had, I don't know, maybe 30-odd fights at the time, 40 fights, and this guy had had over 300. And yeah, he, he was the thing like with tides, isn't it? <laughs> and it was just like, oh my God, oh my God. But he, I mean, he, he lapsed a little bit in, this, in the middle round uh, and allowed him to start grappling. He got swept quite a lot, so he, he probably lost the middle round. He, he knows that. But the first round, I mean, there's some combos that they worked on. And again, all in Dean's head, Dean made the combos up. Like, there's one you can watch. He he lines him up. He's up against the rope. He kind of does a jab, cross, low. And then jump in, scissor knee, right under the chin, and you you can you can see him do it. You see Manaroi's head go back like that, and back again, and he does the whole tie, as if to say, but it's kind of like, now nah, that hurt you, that hurt you, that's a that's a that's the fighting pride thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, it hurt you. Yes, it hurt you. And then in the end, I say finished it. They tried making out that he hurt his leg. Do so you see him go? And he's holding his leg. And he wouldn't get up. And it was kind of like, it was a right hook that dropped you, mate. Not your leg. But they tried making out he'd injured his leg. But it was like, whatever. You got smoked. End of. You
0: you know what? That that kind of being able to look at a fighter and be able to um, pick them apart in such detail that you could craft something in the gym beforehand that is a special skill and i have fuck all idea how to develop it like strategy what i think i'm good strategy wise i can be like you should focus on this area of your game or that area of your game because they struggle with these against this sort of size of opponent but to be able to get the kind of granular detail where you go uh, like um you know take a a UFC example yeah. to know that Michael bisping needed to throw that left hook against rockhole because he would drop that hand after certain combinations yeah um or the way that d c picked apart um Stepe the, the first time and yeah. knew exactly what to do i I am baffled about how people can look at fighters and get that kind of Information out of it. It's amazing what Dean and people like that do.
1: Yeah, it, it, it just—it doesn't seem to matter who it is. It, within a couple of minutes, he's already pointing out what what he does, what he repetitively does, what you could do, and then that's it. He formulates a plan straight away. What you need to work on. One of his little tricks as well is Dean will exasperate something that they can do, like. This guy's got a, a really quick uh, lead head kick. But he'll get into their heads like it's like a billion miles an hour, you'll never see it. It's that quick. So that they're kind of like already getting ready to start to dodge and he'll you know, emulate the moves within within the pad work, but he kind of makes it worse so that when it happens it isn't as bad as they thought it was. But mm. they're still prepared for it, kind of thing.
0: What but, like putting yeah. uh putting weights in your gloves so that when you actually do it, you do it ten times faster.
1: Yeah, that's one of mine. Actually, I like doing that. I I do that myself still. Right. I'll put weights in my gloves and do it. Uh, I like stuff like that. I mean, the uh, uh, Mo's pet hates the weight vest. So he's got to wear the weight vest. And he <laughs> yeah, before the fight, <laughs> and then he hates that thing. Oh, it, it's <laughs> you just see him. He's like, oh, but it works. <laughs> it works. I mean, you know, he won again weekend just gone didn't he he just he's just he's, he's, he's a he's a real talent a real real talent and uh, well I hope he continues to uh, go the way he's going he's been up there for a long time now but uh, yeah you know got a good few guys there uh, Ging's done alright Jordan he didn't do too badly I thought he won but sadly because they did tie scoring he lost on the tie scoring I thought but I thought he, he had much better of the fight than the other lad, but sadly, tie-scoring is a lot more.
0: <laughs> tie-scoring tie is mysterious and seems to favour whoever the judges want to favour in my book. Yeah,
1: and uh, depending on who the uh, uh, kind of... like they, they were up in Scotland, a uh, line fight, I think it was, but they'll have their own individual set of rules. And these places in London will have a slightly different set of rules and they'll have a slightly different set of rules. It, it never seems to be like a blanket. Mm. This is how it's going to be. It's kind of tweaked. Like with K1, you know, you can't two-arm tie clinch, but you can single-arm tie clinch. Uh, some people will let you hold on and not let go. Some people will say you're only allowed to run one knee and you've got to let go. And this, yeah, it, you, every everyone you go to, you're kind of like, uh, what is it this time? but they show their rules. you' just got to play by it
0: so I've got to wonder um have what's your opinion on that kind of training style that you had since the early days because it seems like <clears throat> it seems like it got you all ready very quickly yeah. um but also I've completely forgotten the old coach's name suddenly. Langer sanga 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 um does seem to be quite um beat up from it do, do you think that kind of training style is needed do you think it's good for someone to do or, or, or what's your opinion on kind of like that level
1: not anymore not anymore i say say definitely i've changed my mind um dan as you know has as well we've had many many conversations about this certain ways you train and like sparring i don't agree with heavy sparring anymore i think it should be nice and light nice and quick um you, you know like you see uh at uh, his gym hmm. and the guy's sparring that kind of thing the whole kind of catching each other like hey got you and then you'll try and get him back and you know, you're just trying. You're trying to work, rather than just uh, and everything's. You know, we thought we were getting somewhere then, but you kind of weren't learning anything. I mean, my my boxing coach helped me massively change my mind about the way I'd always fought and sparred and everything else. Completely changed my mind. It helped me massively. Like in that, but that was I was in my thirties when I boxed. But um, yeah. He, he, he changed my mind and made me realize that uh yeah you might be able to take a punch, but did you know you don't have to <laughs> like- yeah i
2: <laughs> i find i i found it myself that you know if if I'm being a bit more playful if i'm not if we, if it if it's not super heavy sparring um first of all, I can think of combinations and things much better um yeah. because i'm not like just worried shit i'm gonna get like bopped in the head and it's gonna you know hurt so like i can be a bit more um interesting with my combinations and try different things which i think that's one thing that you miss if you're doing heavy sparring is you don't tend to try things no, so you no don't then figure out if they're gonna work or not
1: yeah Hundred percent. No, you're right. You're right. Because like I say, the second you start, you're, you're it's a uh, and it, it's a it's a male ego thing. I think power matches power. They hit you hard. You want to hit them harder. Then they'll try and hit you harder. Then. And before you know it, everything's gone out the window, and you're just trying to like level each other's fucking heads off. And, mm. and and again, what are you learning from that? Nothing. There is nothing that you are going to get out of that. Other than at the time thinking, "God oh, cracked the good and there," or "He cracked me I'm good and there," or there. Well, there was there's there's nothing to learn there, nothing to learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that you end up looking to survive more than you look to develop your skill set yeah. inspiring like that, and it extends beyond Muay Thai to like Jiu-Jitsu as well. Like, I'm not going to try. Yeah weird submissions and different types of guard if uh in competition and I'm not going to try it if my only goal is to finish my opponent. I yeah. feel like you need that blend at least. But oh, do you definitely. think it's But do you think it's important for people to have that hard sparring as well? Um, um and if so, how much and when?
1: Well, we've always tended to I mean <sighs> It's a lot. It's a hell of a lot uh, softer than it used to be. It is a little bit more tap tap, you know, and, and that kind of thing, which is good. And it looks good. And they, look, everyone looks controlled. They look like they don't know what they're doing, which they do. But do you know what I mean? It's not not some kind of slugfest. But then we'll get, and again, you may well remember this. We'll get other gyms to come and to sparring sessions. Nemesis will come down sometimes. Mm-hmm. the lads from Bournemouth will come down sometimes. That's when it starts getting a little bit tasty, because that the pride kicks in again. People from other gyms, and it is that whole like, there eh, we go, kind of thing. And then it will start up upping up in slightly, and yeah, that's when you get like those kinds of ones. And then obviously the um, the clubs that we do, we, we take the fights to the inner clubs. We have our own inner club sometimes. I mean that's the Interclubs are about as close to a real fight as you're ever going to get, to be fair. Um, again, hmm. you, I think, I'm pretty sure you've been to them. You might have even fought with someone, I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, just... Uh, Me? Um,
0: not with Luke Barai, but I've been to a few Interclubs of my own.
1: Yeah, but, but, you know, they're not exactly friendly, are they? Well, afterwards, perhaps, but... No. <laughs> at the end of the day, you, you are trying to win. You are trying to win, and... And us as coaches, mm. I'm one of the worst. Uh, it is kind of like, of course I want you to win. You know, if, I, if I'm calling you, of course I want you to win. I don't want you to go in there and get filled in. I want you to win. And and, and that's not by any means possible, but it's, uh, you know, I, w- I want you to know what it feels like to, 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 to get to do this and to get to feel like your, your arms have been raised. And even if that's all you ever do and you never have a fight again, it's the... the it's a feat, that, that feeling you get, that feeling you get just, yeah, even if it's just once, even if it's just once.
2: Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah,
1: it's, it's I mean, yeah. it's not everybody's cup of tea, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating it for everybody. But, uh, yeah, and, it, and it's so much more popular now. I mean, not just tie box and MMA, just, it's just exploded. Cannot believe how huge it is now uh, and how quickly it's happened. Just absolutely incredible absolutely incredible
2: yeah i guess you you were able to see the development of the sport of thai boxing in the uk um from its sort of i guess early stages right because i guess when you started there wasn't really it was kind of i guess the master skin master toddy times yeah so like my thai was arriving in the uk yeah um at the larger level and now we have Yoko, we have Lion Fight, um,
1: you, well, you we had, have uh, Muay Thai
2: Grand Prix. Yeah, like there's so many, there, there are many organizations. Yeah. And uh it's quite interesting to see how the sport is developing. And, and there are so many Brits that have also gone to Thailand and fought ties and been winning. Like we've had uh, Dan McGowan on our podcast who's fought in Thailand many times. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah what, what what how how have you uh seen the the development how and and where do you perhaps think it's like it's going is it it's just getting bigger and bigger
1: it, uh, it's uh, i i uh, i think the explosion <laughs> in 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 uh mma sadly boxing boxing's always kind of left behind even though it's it is big in the country now, and it is doing very well. And K1 the same, you know. Uh, well, it's, it's not there anymore, but Glory, you know, fantastic, some incredible fighters. Uh, one fight championship have done a great job because now they bought tie in, I in the nicest possible way. I actually prefer a One Fight Championship to the UFC now because you've got you haven't just got the you know the UFC style fight in the MMA. You've got
2: the MMA. the MMA gloves, yeah.
1: tie boxing, normal tie boxing. Uh, you know, there, there's a bit more variety. I, I, I like that about it. You get to see some fantastic fighters like Nongo, just some some real class fighters over there putting their thing about. But it just, I don't know. Tie boxing, I think, will always sadly be the bridesmaid, never the bride. Just, it's there, but like I say, boxing will always be huge. MMA is now just ridiculously huge and, and it's great it's absolutely fantastic but tie boxing now seems to have just it's one of the tools you need to go and do that rather than this is something you want to do you know again it, it's much bigger than it was mm-hmm. but it's it almost sometimes feels like it's a means to an end rather than something that people really do want to have a go at I mean I, I'd love to see it mm-hmm. explode like the UFC but I don't know. I don't. I don't don't
2: know. I wonder why. Why was it that K1 was so popular? I guess it was partly because it was like in Japan, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Some of the some of the fights, but like K1 was really popular at one point.
1: Yeah, Um, it was huge.
2: But then I guess UFC wasn't really mega popular when K1 was popular, so perhaps like mma has started to overshadow oh god yeah and and we can't and we can't get back to that point where uh where kickboxing or, or or yeah muay thai is is at that same level it's it's kind of overshot it i,
1: I think oh yeah i i think people have, have have been drawn towards mma because i think people are bloodthirsty they they love, <laughs> but, you know. You know, if, if anyone's, you know, you say like, "I oh, did you see that fight. Did you see that fight more often than not." I say, "Oh my god, did you see that? To the blood? Did you see his nose? Did you see his eyes? Did you see his lip? Did you see his ear explode?" Da, 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 da. And it's just like that seems to like be what's attracting, uh, I suppose, like non fan fans, if you know what I mean, like people who are not involved that don't know mm-hmm. classes that don't do. They want to see the blood. They want to see the gore.
2: Yeah, we call them casuals. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's what they want to see. They're not there looking at it like you or I would look at it, even though you might still enjoy it. That they're, they're not looking at it like we're looking at it, you know. And it's it's cool. It's cool because it, it's it, hmm. it's done great for the business as it is. But um, yeah, just and I, I'm I kind of lost. A little bit of love for the for the the MMA side of things. Uh, people like um, McGregor ruined it for me. I cannot stand him. Cannot stand him. But well, East well, to their own. Okay. A lot of people down love down him. That route. <laughs> yeah, just East to their own. East to their own. I've never been a fan of uh, trash talkers in any sport at all. I've never been a big fan, and uh, it's a shame that it's the mouth that makes the money, not the skills. You know, there's a lot There's a lot of great fighters that have missed out on opportunities because they're not that way inclined. And that, that's a bit sad, but I suppose at the end of the day, all, all people care about is making money. So, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. I mean, you know, someone like Dustin Boyer at the moment, you know, I don't know if he's getting a title shot. He, I think he should have had one a while ago, uh, the way it's gone. But again, he's a... he's he's a reasonably quite quite nice guy and a lot of the time it just doesn't fit with what they're looking for so but yeah (laughs) it is what it is
2: we hope you enjoyed that episode if you did please consider subscribing to the podcast and checking us out on YouTube Facebook and Instagram under the name Combat Thoughts we'll see you next time